I think the people, people who you meet and work with, because it's such a quirky bunch of people. So, you know, and that's that's a really nice part of it, you know, like the friends that you make me. Yeah. Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Lorraine Sabanda, who studied a psychological sciences degree. But after graduating and having had a lifelong desire to be a designer, she went on to intern and work in fashion, PR and, and then advertising. Lorraine's career in costume began with assisting in commercials and designing short films with friends from the London Film School. Having done different roles from trainee to standby and fitter, Lorraine now works as a full-time costume buyer in films. Lorraine has worked on productions such as Florence Foster Jenkins, Victoria and Abdul, Kingsman the Golden Circle and Angel Has Fallen to name a few. Hi Lorraine! Hi Poonam! Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I'm very excited about our conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I've never done a podcast before and I love podcasts, so this is quite cool. This is one of those, the first of many experiences, I bet. But um, So I'm going to start with, you are a costume buyer. Now, um, people may not know that when they watch a film or TV show or even a theatre production, that loads of the things that the actor or actress may be wearing, the accessories in some and in most instances have been sourced to some degree or bought to some degree by a costume buyer. Again, an underrated role in the film world, one that people may not know exists. So if you could tell me what your job is as a costume buyer. Um, So as a costume buyer, your main role is to source um, all the materials and clothing for the designer, you know, for, for the costumes that are being made. It's it's such a varied job. So it, it depends on what the job is. So if the job is, say, a period job, it's mostly sourcing fabrics or the materials that the makers will need to make the costume. So it's sourcing from suppliers that you know, it's sourcing from fabric shops. And if it's a contemporary film, then it's sourcing clothes on the internet um, from high street shops, from, you know, vintage shops. It's so wide. It's such a wide search because um, it can be quite difficult to find things that you're looking for because it's so specific. That actually brings me into my next question. Has there ever been a situation where it's a really odd request to source? I don't know. It could be. I don't, I don't know the degree of oddness it could have. It's, but, it's um, always odd, Poonam, always. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's been the oddest thing, if you can say, what has been the oddest thing you've been asked to source or buy? And then how have you sort of gone about getting it if it's been something really awkward to find? It's Each job is so different and there's always something that's so difficult to find and it's so specific. But... What I do find sometimes is the most unusual item that you're being asked to find, surprisingly, you do find. And it it often turns out that the thing which sounds really ordinary or mundane, like, say, a grey classic collar shirt, you know, it can be really difficult to find. So it's really funny like that. And um, so to answer your question, if you can't find something, what you do, you 
generally have to, I guess, try and think outside of the box. So it's really important to communicate with the designer around what you're looking for. So it's a constant communication of, right, so we can't find this. And if you can't find it, what's a good alternative? Mm. Um, You know, like what could work? Could we buy something that we could alter so it, you know, like is as close to the item that you're looking for? Or do we have enough time to get it made you know, bespoke, you know, so so there are quite a few different options that you can look at, you know, and again, it totally depends on how much time you have and how much money you have. Yeah, I guess that does make a massive difference, especially with purchasing and stuff like to maintain a budget and not run. I can imagine I could be like, let me run wild with this credit card that I've been given. But obviously you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that at all. And, and the thing is, as well, is that with, you know, the job as a buyer, you're trying to basically fulfill the request of the designer, which, you know, like often comes from the director and maybe the actor. And, you know, a lot of the time it's something that's just kind of popped into their head as in like, oh, why don't we find a, you know, like a pink unicorn with sparkles yeah. as an example. And it's often something that literally just is so impossible to find, but, um obviously that's what they would like for you know like artistic reasons you know so yeah it it can be really difficult and then you mentioned the relationship with the designer and you mentioned communication because you're kind of like a pair of eyes for them when you're out shopping yeah how important is that relationship with the designer um I think I personally think it's quite important to have a good relationship with the designer because you'll often find that buyers will eventually start working with the same designers Mm. um, because like you've mentioned you are you know effectively the eyes of the designer it's your job to tune into the designer's vision and fully understand what they want so it really helps when you have a good communication and you really understand each other and um, and also you start to have a shorthand with how that specific designer works so it just makes the working relationship so much easier but in saying that it's not absolutely necessary I think because um, you do have occasions when you just do a really short job as say an assistant buyer or as a daily buyer on a job and with that you know you don't necessarily have a relationship with the designer but you still should really have the ability to I guess you know like communicate really well with 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 whoever you're getting the instruction from of what you need to get yeah that's true actually because you get a lot of people that just kind of I remember I know I've been on jobs where they'll come in for a couple of days because there's like a mad rush on or something and they just need things really based sometimes it's often basic things that just need to be bought and I guess in that case you're right yeah communication is just having that skill in the first place exactly exactly it's it's communication is like I think one of the biggest skills that you need to have and to be able to take direction because like like we've just said if you come onto a job and you're working on that job just for three weeks and or or say a week and chances are they are insanely busy at that point and that's the entire reason why they've got a daily buyer coming in to help them Mm -hmm. so there's no time to build a relationship or get to know people that well so you just kind of have to get into it and um, just you know like take instruction really well and you know understand really quickly what you need to get and get on with it 
So just in terms of that, do you have like a little black book, as it were, of all your contacts and places to buy? And I, is that something that you have? I don't know. Cause you do I actually do. And it is a black book. <laughs> I do. But yes, um, that's that's quite an important part of your job as a buyer. It's to build a network of, you know, like a directory of uh, suppliers and people who you use, because uh, part of the reason why you're hired is because you have a shorthand access to, to to all of these suppliers, which makes the job that much quicker. That makes sense. You mentioned that communication is a skill that is key to being a buyer. What are the other skills that you need to have? So I would say base skills that I think you need as a buyer are, like we've spoken about, really good communication, because um, like we said, your job is to extract as much detail as possible from the designer or the assistant designer you're working with or the head buyer you're working with depending on what capacity that you're buying you also need good communication like you're liaising with you know suppliers and different brands and makers the production managers so many people so that's an essential part of it um, I think you also need to be really organized I, I would say that's another essential part of the job um, because often you're buying add you know like quite large amounts of large quantities of things in a really short space of time and you have to get the stuff that you you need to get in the timeline that you're given in the deadline that you're given so um, that really does help and it's it's a really fast-paced job as you know I think handling money you have to be quite good at handling money as well because because you know that's that's an essential part of your job you know, like you're working to a budget, you're buying for multiple people. And of course, you're not given a card with, you know, like limitless amounts of money. And that's another, <laughs> part, exactly, and that's another part of the, of the job that people don't really realise that it's often a battle getting money from accounts and accounts don't always understand um, why you're spending so furiously in such a short amount of time and it completely <laughs> freaks them out. <laughs> but, but so so that's, a good, that's a large part of it as well. So you have to kind of, you know, like be able to handle the money um, so you can get what you need to get, but at the same time not get into trouble with accounts, which is a very, very tricky position to be in. And yeah, I would say those are the base skills that you need to have. And other skills which are helpful are... I think a good understanding of different eras because when you go into a job of course you do research on the particular period that you're working on but it does help to have an understanding in your head of what that period looks like the sort of things you're going for you know like the little details which really help to you know like um, inform the things that you're looking for and thinking on your feet I think that's another essential part you have to think on your feet all the time because like you just asked before a lot of the time you can't find items that you're being asked to find so you know like just and and you have a deadline so think on your feet like what do you do things like that yeah I always find and I think we always in our department we always say that it must be such a hard job to be a buyer because apart from the sort of consumable things like really like 101 button and thread and things like that the mm-hmm. having to have that second sight almost must be quite stressful I think I would really like, stressful. having to make the on-spot decision of shit do I buy this is not going to be there tomorrow do I like oh I'd, I'd get really I think I'd panic but <laughs> <laughs> you'd be fine you'd be fine. 
Um, yes, it, 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 you know, it is a stressful job for sure because but there's a lot of pressure on you as a buyer, particularly as a buyer or principal buyer, because like we've said before, you are essentially the eyes of the designer. So there's a lot of pressure to find essentially what the designer would go out and pick out themselves. So it's like trying to be in somebody's head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what we which always is, say. Which, yeah, which is quite an, a, a, an odd thing to do. But with experience, I think, you know, it's just part of the job and you get used to it. But um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, definitely a lot of pressure. But then off, there are different levels of buying. So if you're, like we were saying before, a daily buyer or, you know, like one of the assistant buyers, it's, it's a different pressure. The pressure on you is more the deadlines and the timelines, you know, like to because you're, you're kind of buying to a checklist yeah. that you're being asked to get. So you don't have to think as much so to say but if you're working directly with the designer then yes you do have to really think about what you're getting and really understand the script and really understand what the person's looking for I think it's um we like I said we you know where we when we're talking about it, we just think I don't know if we, I could do that job <laughs> so commend you for commend all the buyers out there for you guys doing it um I'm going to circle back to your beginnings. Now, as mentioned in the introduction, you've worked for in the fashion world and you've worked in advertising, which is how you then got into the sort of costume world. Could you just give us an intro into how you kind of came into costume buying? Well, I didn't go straight into buying. I actually started assisting before I became a full-time buyer. So um, I started my very first job I guess was working in fashion and I wanted to be a designer and when I think about it it's more I've always wanted to work with clothes and I've also always wanted to design clothes but I thought the only way you could do that was being a fashion designer and if I'm being honest I didn't even know you could work in costume because like you said it's one of those jobs that most people don't know about Um, and I think in fact I think the whole film industry there's so much mystery around the entire industry 100 percent yeah (laughs) yeah it is it's like most people just you know to this day most people still don't fully understand the jobs that most of us do um, or what's involved so um, I started off working in fashion with the intentions of being a designer I guess you could say I was a bit disillusioned with the fashion industry and so I left and um, started working in advertising because I still wanted to do a really creative job and that was super fun you know like working for magazines and it's really great culture and I guess I always knew I'd go back to working with clothes again so got into costume instead of fashion. What was your first costume job? Okay so my first costume job was with a designer called um, Frank Gallagher and it was a Jamie Oliver commercial Ah. (laughs) which I still remember because it's actually still one of the funnest commercials that I worked on. It was like a spoof of Fight Club so it was like you know like really quite cool. Oh that's pretty cool and you got the bug then? The, the oh I, lo- I loved it I loved it from the moment I started doing it it was it was a feeling of this is exactly what I wanted to do like costume is actually a better fit for me than fashion was experience and you know like everything that I've done so costume just felt like this is a much much better fit felt like home yeah did as cheesy as that sounds um no it's not cheesy at all funny enough there's quite a few people that I, I think in this world that probably did start off in fashion and then 
whatever reason may it be disillusionment or just they found their niche in the costume world so I think it's um you're not alone in that yeah Um, yeah because in in actual fact I think in fashion it's really difficult to get a job in fashion where you are truly creative as weird as that sounds whereas in costume I think you get a much better opportunity to actually work directly with clothing and creating characters and it's more creative whereas in fashion it's so it's so niche and it's so closed off and um yeah it's I think costume's better yay I I won't disagree with you I think 100% (laughs) (laughs) Um, your career in fashion advertising commercials those skills that you picked up and learned and had for those careers how have they then informed and helped you with what you do now I think it's helped massively Um, looking at it from the outside it it's it might seem like it's completely unrelated but in actual fact I think there are so many but you know like skills that kind of interconnect and yeah you know like really helps so for example in advertising um, a large part of your job is communication and it is actually dealing with like loads of different departments you know like within the magazine as in from dealing with the editors you know to the writers and you know like the copywriters everyone and things like that Um, and then also you have to deal with so many different brands and Um, companies and build relationships with them in order for them to actually you know like advertise with the magazine and you also have to come up with creative ideas of um, you know like how they can sell their products and stuff like that so I I guess that translates into costume now in that I'm still talking to suppliers and brands and I'm still working with them really closely and and still occasionally you know like talking to people about makes and you know like Mm. what they can do for us and stuff like that so it's actually really really connected oh it's because like you said I think from uh, say from in my perspective I might be like oh they're actually very different industries but I guess it makes sense that they do there is a shared skill base like with most jobs I guess but um it's just interesting to see because I think it's so fascinating that you mentioned before so there's so many different even being in the industry there's so many different roles that I like we don't even know about that exist in that beyond say costume hair and makeup and um, art department but everyone has such interesting stories about how they got to where they are and those things really like inform how we are then creative in the world that we're in now and I think it's just really interesting to hear everyone's sort of stories and insights. and in actual fact I know particularly in films it can be you know I think more people go into film through the traditional route of you know like you study a costume degree Mm. and you go into costume Um, but I do think it does help to have a wider understanding or experience or you know like just having done different things because it you know in any job I think it helps to have done different things yeah definitely 100% I think perspective and you know yeah it helps yeah I yeah I think so to even just within like um, say costume having like working in different costume departments you may have had will inform the way you then work in say I don't know making jewelry in my case or something or just yeah or just even speaking to people that have come from different careers I think you see it in like the department that I work in for example with props and that people approach things with a different eye with a different view to how say you would see something because you're so 
because you're so focused on this one thing sometimes it's hard to think outside of the box and people with different perspectives will come in and sort of be like oh wait have you tried that and I think that's the beauty of the industry you're working because you have all those creative minds and experiences so yeah I'm being very like sycophantic about costume right now I should probably no, stop. But it, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big beautiful melting pot <laughs> yes it is it is so true my next question is what inspires you so many things inspire me I am a very visual person mm. so um honestly I love beautiful things and it, it doesn't matter what it is it could be anything I just love beautiful things so I'm inspired by interiors for example, I love interiors. I'm obsessed. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking of starting an interiors account. <laughs> I'm inspired by old Hollywood films, which I think are so beautiful. I'm inspired by fashion still. Um, I think I've started to love fashion all over again because they're really cool young designers like you know Jacquemus and you know like the Scandinavian designers and all of that like Ghani and all of that who are just so cool and people I actually think people are really interesting like I think in film actually the way we um, present people in contemporary films for example is so much more boring than what people actually look like on the street but of course I understand why we do it because people have to look films have to look as classic as possible but yeah people's just individual style is so interesting and so many different things like I said I'm so visual so I'm always looking I'm always it's 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 around you constantly I guess (laughs) I I, I honestly think it is again I feel like that sounds so so cheesy but yeah I'm just one of those people who I I think I love colour especially I love prints I love I I don't know much about art but I like no you say that actually but I think you probably do it's just not the what people typically associate with art because like you say you like beautiful things so if it is interiors that could also be counted as art I think I think that's I think so I I do that I I think I think so many things can be um art you know like considered art Mm. I do uh, yeah yeah definitely um, what is you Poonam can I ask you that oh gosh let me think do you know what I really like this is gonna be a very cheesy answer but mm-hmm. I really like I really like reading and I think books oh yeah books inspire me if that makes sense I don't I don't know I don't know if answer so badly. I'd be a really bad interviewee um I think books inspire me. Uh-huh. I would agree with you with people. I find people fascinating. In fact, I get told off. Um, so I get told off when I'm on the train, and my brother and my uh, husband have both pointed this out to me that I stare a lot, and I'm not staring. <laughs> I'm just really usually fascinated by the person. Okay, probably I'm staring, but I'm just usually fascinated by the person, whether it's like the way that they're sitting or the way they're interacting with the person next to them or yeah. the way they've chosen to like dress themselves or their body language I just find people like you I find people so fascinating I, I, I would, they are endlessly fascinating like honestly and and also like I have to say this is one of my dirty secrets in fact but <laughs> anyone who knows me knows it's not a secret I am obsessed with reality tv I love it ah, <laughs> what's your favorite Oh my god, I love it so much. Okay, so um, <laughs> why am I telling the world about this? 
Because actually people are so judgy about this. I, I never understand why, but I think, you know, if you like people, you actually would like reality telly. It is. No, it is people watching. So I love um, some of the Real Housewives. Uh, my particular favourite, like, well, my all-time fave, I think, is Erica Jane. She's in um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's amazing. And Real Housewives of Atlanta. What else do I watch? I, I'll watch any dating reality telly show, any just put it in front of me, I'll watch it. Uh, what else? Yeah, cooking reality shows. I don't know, just so much. I just I just love reality telly. It's interesting. I think it's interesting. And in fairness, I think I did go through a phase of watching a lot of it myself. And I, but I, I get quite um, absorbed into things very quickly. Me too. So I, I tend to just stay away now. I'm like, oh, this is going to take over my life. <laughs> Me too. I'll tell, do you know what I do? I wait until I'm not working. And when I'm not working, I literally binge. I binge watch. <laughs> I think, like you said, I, I think I, I'm guilty of that too. And I think a lot of us are actually, I think if you are a people watcher, I think it is fascinating. Yeah. And people do get a bit snooty about People are so snooty about it. I never understand why. It, you know, it's it, it's not a reflection on because I've had people kind of saying, "Oh, it's a reflection on your intelligence." It's not. It's no. just really like it. You know, chill. <laughs> yeah, and also I think I think most of us watching kind of know that there's a degree of artifice to it. Like some of it's obviously been scripted, and yeah, I think it's just a bit of light entertainment sometimes as well. Like we all need that. It's it's so relaxing. I find it so relaxing. I love it. And also, I think it's escapism as well. I guess with a lot of things that we watch. Oh, and another one, Queer Eye. I've been watching Queer Eye lately. Oh, That's so it's so good. Absolutely love it. And and again, Queer Eye is so great because they do the interiors renovation. They do the you know like the the person's renovation, like their beauty regime, their clothing, everything. It's just, it's got everything. What's not to love? It's great. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I really like Queer Eye as well. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why people are like turning their nose up at shows like that because I think it's they're all feel good. Ultimately, things like that are also feel good shows as well. They are. They really are. Yeah. Um. So this kind of brings me on to my next question as well. Is like now, what are the highlights of your job? It can be a really fun job. And I think the highlights of the job are working with incredible designers. That's that's for one. You know, it's people who are at the top of their game. They're just so creative. And and it's, it's actually also, you know, so interesting to work with different designers as well because you get something different from everyone. Yeah. Oh, another highlight is I get to work with, you know, like these amazing little, you know, like artisans or, you know, like craftspeople who just do create these incredible things, you know, like these bespoke items and stuff. And I think that's such a lovely, lovely part of the job. And it's not necessarily, you know, like I think you'll find that buyers working very different capacities and stuff. But I do find that with some of the jobs that I've done, I've been lucky enough to work with people like that. And I find that endlessly fascinating because these are industries that are kind of dying out as well. So yeah. that's quite sad, but it's just that it's nice to be, you know, to to kind of support these smaller businesses. Yeah. And I think the people people who you meet and work with because it's such a quirky bunch of people so you know and that's that's a really nice part of it you know like the friends that you make me yeah yeah I, I think those are my highlights. and and also oh actually probably one of the biggest highlights is you get to be creative every single day and you get to ex you know express that in so many different ways because 
um, if I didn't do this job, I'd never be able to create as many different looks on a daily basis as you do. Also, a really nice part that I'm not spending my money, but I still <laughs> get to buy really incredible, beautiful things all the time, which, which I have to say also has a negative um, side effect because your 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 taste in clothing and all of that just it's just completely altered like your perception of money is completely altered so so I start looking at you know like clothes which I cannot afford at all and thinking oh that's not bad oh it's only you know 500 pounds oh yeah (laughs) you know you cannot afford that oh that's interesting actually I didn't even think you kind of don't think about that do you I guess well I certainly haven't I mean like I'm saying again it depends on the sort of job you've worked on but it makes it so difficult in your personal life to buy shitty clothes or anything that's not great quality when you constantly handle the most beautiful fabrics and clothing on a daily basis it it just makes it so difficult because you know like it's you, you kind of immediately know the difference yeah that's true actually I guess you probably know better than most other people that are like oh actually this is not great fabric or this is not made for yeah <laughs> So you get to, like you mentioned, you get to go and visit loads of these different artisans and businesses and um, other random places. I'm sure you get to visit in search of finding the perfect item or piece of fabric or whatever it is. What or where is your favourite place to go and buy things? It's so many different places. Again, it completely depends on what the job is. So like I was saying before, if it's on contemporary jobs, I really enjoy that you know there are particular shops that I work with or, or you know like people who I've built really great relationships with and that's always so nice to work with them because it's just a nice you know it's, it's like an extension of my office so it's yeah. a really nice working relationship and it just makes my job so much nicer I have to say I really do love vintage shops as well still like I love Portobello Market Portobello Market on a Friday morning is amazing and uh, Spitalfields on a Thursday, like just incredible one-off finds and stuff like that. Just, I, I can't say, there's so many. I guess, yeah, the, you have the luxury of choice, don't you, there, in that situation. So we're coming to the end of the podcast, and I get to do my favourite question now, which is, what are your favourite to-watch recommendations? Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess an an all-time fave is definitely Mary Poppins. I love Mary Poppins. I could oh, watch the original, the Julie so Andrews. The, the original. I mean, I have to say I did like the new one as well, but I absolutely love the old one. I could watch that any day. And Stardust, I love Stardust. <gasps> I love Stardust too. It's it's just, I don't know what it is. What is it about Stardust? It's so good, isn't it? I don't know. It's funny. It's like there's a love story. I don't know. I think this is a good it's collection. Of it's, yeah, it's so good. I love that film, I have to say. Literally will watch that anytime it's on. I love it. Yeah, and then in terms of visual films, I, I love anything from the 50s. I think films from the 50s are just so beautiful, like anything with Cary Grant and Grace Kelly, because I've been watching those recently, you know, the Alfred Hitchcock films. Ah, yeah. So beautiful. You know, people just don't look like that anymore or dress like that anymore. And contemporary, again, something that I've caught recently on telly, and 
I've got a whole new appreciation for it. Sex and the City. I've been you know, I was going to say, I've, I've been watching it again. And it's in terms of like the costume or, you know, like the way the women are dressed, that must have been a dream job for the designer because it's just an endless, endless parade of, you know, like the most beautiful clothes, the craziest, outrageous, quirky, sexy, <laughs> just all of it. It's amazing. I have an admission. I know. I've never watched it. I've watched the films for some uh-huh. reason. Don't know how that happened, but I've not seen, apart from, you know, like sometimes you're channel hopping and it'd yeah. be like on channel four or something and really odd hour of the day or night. And um, I've seen the odd episode, but I've never watched it. I feel like I probably should. But... It's, it's on at the moment. I can't remember what channel it's on, but um, I've, I've caught it then. I just, it's just so beautiful. It, it's just, just such a fun job. It looks like such a fun job to do. I love, love, love the Royal Tenenbaums or any, or anything with Wes Anderson. I've never seen that. It's, oh, you should so watch that. It's so quirky and just visually, I think, such a great film. It, it, it's, I can't say the name, it's Royal Tenenbaums, Tenenbaums. I, I think know. you said it correctly, yeah, Tenenbaums, yeah. I think. Yeah, I will add that to my, the last two I'll add to my to watch list. The first two I've seen, I have to agree with you, both really good movies. Um, Thank you, Lorraine, for coming on the podcast. It's been so fun to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks, Tuna. (laughs) Thank you for having me. No, it's been really nice. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lorraine. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to hair and makeup artist Francesca Jordan. And if you get a moment, if you could please subscribe, follow or like on your podcast platform. Thank you.